Welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, live from the Riverwalk Recording Studio, we have the usual suspect um, on the Anchor Podcast performance line. It's your boy, Joe Martinez. You know, this week was uh, the political Super Bowl, otherwise known as the race to 270. We're stepping a little bit outside the lines this week to talk some politics on the show. You know, we usually talk sports, but there's a reason that it's named 94 Feet and Beyond, so we can talk about some other issues in the world around us. You know, Joe, a very much divided nation. I mean, it's clear to see just how close that election was. And, you know, both candidates fought very hard for each vote. And ultimately, Uncle Joe Biden prevailed after almost five days of anxiety and unrest amongst the American people. Um, you know, the, the political showdown that everyone was just on edge for days you know, due to the number of, of, in just in a number of different states here with all the early voting and the mail-in ballots that were in play this year due to COVID-19. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on the race to 270? That's definitely a hard fought. Um, you know, smoking Joe Biden over here getting the, the dub for the Democrats and Truly, I feel like he said all the American people, you know, nothing against Donald Trump supporters or anything like that. But personally, I just felt like he wasn't for the people, you know, bringing all sorts of division. It took him three and a half years to finally condemn white supremacy and hate groups. You know, I don't I don't condone Antifa, but, you know, liberals just on every sort of media station condemn them and ask for that stop the violence kind of thing as soon as all these protests were breaking out. But really, I think those key states with Pennsylvania, Michigan, North Carolina, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, I think with all those mail-in ballots, those big-time Democratic counties really just came through. And like you said, you know, a lot of these Southern places, they're known to have a lot of, you know, older people. And, I mean, you're not going to have the, uh, I guess, the uh, the acts to kind of go out there in person and vote, especially with the pandemic. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, you're ultimately, you're going to listen to who your preferred presidential candidate is. I'm sure if Trump would have told his, you know, followers to take advantage of the mail-in voting, that it would have been an even bigger mess. Uh, there definitely has to be a better process as far as in those states going forward. I think all these states with all the laws that they have is just so hard. Like in Texas, they're allowed to start counting the mail-in ballots before the polls close. Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. I was seeing that had to wait until every single poll closes so they couldn't start counting until november 4th so it's just a mess and i guess it i don't know it, it's one of those things that kind of has to be brought to congress i feel like and instead of letting the states have a saying a saying in it just have everybody on the exact same rule 
Yeah. And, I mean, you just don't know. I mean, who knows? You just never know on if we're going to have another pandemic or something that's going to cause more mail-in ballots. But I think it's something that's definitely going to get looked at. <clears throat> uh, it, it remains to be seen what's going to happen in court with uh, Trump's legal team and Joe Biden's legal team. But I, I think and even if there is a recount, if anything, it's going to be a few thousand votes that are changed. I'm not too sure. I haven't, I haven't seen any evidence of voter fraud, interference, or anything like that. All I've seen is, you know, stuff from 2016 and before that. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think there's you can't just let, leave it up to local um, legislation. I think there has to be some kind of universal rule. I mean... There was a, a huge turnout in early voting this year, and the fact that they can't start counting those until election day is a huge reason of why we were waiting, too. So, I mean, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to where they can't just start a couple of days before the actual election day to start at least counting those, and then the mail-in ballots that they've already received, it just they need to come up with some, some kind of universal rule, like you said on that. And as far as the conspiracy theories and everything that's been said about, you know, not allowing people to be um, in the counting areas and, you know, dead people voting and all, all kinds of blasphemy that's been, None of it's none of it has been factualized at this, at this point. It's all made up lies at this point. You know, just the regular blasphemy that Trump has been riding this whole four years on of, of just making stuff up to stay relevant. I mean, at this point, you lost. It's over. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just you being can, a sore loser. You can you can recount as many times as you want. It's still going to be a loss. It doesn't matter. They're not. There's no kind of these guys on the inside that are counting the votes or people like you and me. There's someone that's red and there's someone that's blue. They're not. No one's over there with these, you know, kind of agendas to skew it any which way. It's just what's on the ballots, what's on the ballot, and they put it in. Yeah, and my thing is, if there was some sort of cheating, then well, the GOP wouldn't have the majority in the House. There's right. There's I mean, no, there's balances of powers right now. Yeah, it's, if if there was cheating, and, and common sense tells you, if it doesn't matter who you follow, common sense tells you, okay, if the GOP cheated or Democrats cheated, the the entire shift of power is going to go to one total party but and I, you don't see that you see one party control the senate and one party control the house so really joe biden it's going to be tough for him to get any sort of policies that he wants to get done because he has to go through the house unfortunately so yeah i mean there's there has to be some kind of coming togetherness that we haven't seen you know especially in the last four years to where we have to find some kind of common ground to where we can actually get something done for the American people and make changes that need to be made. And 
you know, try to find some kind of common ground to where we can agree on some things and decide, hey, there's no kind of agendas on either side. We need to figure out we need to figure out what's best for everybody, not just the rich, not just the poor, not just the middle class, but for everybody. Yeah, and I kind of want to echo the words that my dad said. You know, he's not full fracking because he understands, you know, working in construction, how important it is. Yeah. But at some point in time, unfortunately, you have to start somewhere. I mean, fossil fuels, you know, we learned that in grade school. They're not going to be there forever. Right, yeah. There's That's not something that even maybe our kids will be able to use. Yeah, I mean, you know. a thousand years from now, who knows? It might that stuff might not even be here. It could be as easy as a hundred years. And I think a lot of people tend to forget that it wasn't that long ago when George Bush was in was in uh, was in office that he, even he stated that the U.S. was in shortage of oil and all of our oil was coming from the Middle East. And he remember a lot of people are still very against opening up those those oil areas in Alaska because of the endangered species out there. So that's another thing. Yeah. We can't, we're not going to be self-sufficient on making enough oil from our own land (laughs) to be able to continue. We have to, we have Uh, to go outside. Yeah. And those oil fields, I mean, they're, they fluctuate all the time. You always hear about thousands of employees getting furloughed and let go. And then it's booming again. It's, as it is, it fluctuates itself. So. Yeah, it's it's very up and down. It always has been, always will be. Um, you know, before we get uh, you know, too many listeners upset with us, Joe, uh, we're gonna go ahead and get a you know go back to the usual dose of the some sports updates for these guys. Um, you know, here in the NFL, Joe, this year we both know that. There's been a tremendous amount of injuries, and that affects you, you know, horribly if you're a fantasy football manager, but even more so with with these franchises that lose a Dak Prescott or an Odell Beckham Jr. or Christian McCaffrey. Um, what can we contribute all these injuries to this year, Joe? I Man, you know, I think it really has to do with the lack of practicing and getting your body conditioned for game time situations. I mean, you hear it all the time. I'm sure you've heard it in basketball. There's such a thing as being in shape and there's a thing of being in basketball shape, you know, when you're in shape, you know, you'll be able to run up and down the court all you want. But when your body is having to box somebody out, you know, you're taking a beating down low and the, in the paint, I mean, you're, and with the lack of practice, you're just not going to perform and your body's going to just get beat up a lot easier. And I think the wear and tear on these guys is a lot because they usually start OTAs and voluntary practices back in March, April, maybe. So I think really that's what it's coming down to. And a lot of these superstars are having to miss significant amount of time. And a lot of these backups, really, if you pay attention, for any sports, you know, viewer, a lot of these backups are really having to show out and show up. And it's really having to, you're right now, you're really getting to see, okay, you know, who are the best coaches around the league? 
why can they get it done and why can't other teams get it done with the backups? That's true. You're finding you're finding out what the uh, what your backups have. You know the young guys that you've drafted, and then how good is your coaching? And that speaks volumes to what you need to do moving forward. So yeah, I think you're right. I mean, obviously they had limited to no off season, especially together. I mean, they were, I'm sure, working out on their own at their own houses and private facilities but they weren't you know especially for guys like Tom Brady and you know people that had switched teams in the offseason they weren't getting chemistry and timing down on throws and all kinds of different stuff which affects a lot of things and then obviously they weren't you know it's as you know it's a lot different working out on your own than it is with a, with a group of guys or at least somebody else. So they probably aren't pushing themselves as hard as they used to and, you know, probably cutting some corners on stretching and, you know, doing some of the stuff that they would normally do if they were with the trainers and everything. So, yeah, that could probably be a big part of what we saw with all the injuries. And then plus, um, you know, they've all missed – at least most teams have missed a few practices due to COVID, um, whether their team had positives or not, you know, because they could play a team that did and they didn't get to play a, a game that they, was originally scheduled or they had, um, you know, practices that they weren't able to do. Like there was, you know, at least a couple for the, a couple weeks there, the Patriots only – practice like two times in the matter of like two weeks so I mean I'm sure they're you know doing Skype meetings and working out on their own but yeah it's just not the same with all the resources they normally have you know I definitely agree but um, I'm not <clears throat> even gonna waste any time on our teams Joe the are both of our teams, I think, are two and five or two and six or whatever. Yeah, the goose is cooked. <laughs> Just, uh, Cowboys are done. The Patriots are pretty much done. I mean, at this point, I'm just kind of hoping they tank for Trevor, and I think they will. And if they don't, if they don't get him, maybe they'll get Justin Fields or somebody else. But it's obvious they need to you know, move in a way to get another quarterback, but they also need to move to get weapons for them to throw to because they don't have anybody right now. That's I what... think I think they might re-sign Cam and get him weapons. I, I don't know. Well, I, like I mean, that's a viable to... option, especially if they don't get a decent draft choice. Yeah, I think Cam's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but he has no weapons. I mean... And Julian Edelman, he's not a true number one. He's more of a number two, kind of a slot guy. Yeah, and the thing Very with him, too, though. is he's been hobbled for most of the year, and then he just got knee surgery, so he's out for a while now. Yeah, and he's already getting up there in age. You can't rely on him. I'm, you know, they got rid of Amendola back in, you know, two years ago. Chris Hogan now with Bills Mafia. I mean, they've lost a lot of they, Yeah, they lost a lot of these guys that were um, pretty good pass catchers. and Yeah, now they're excelling where they're at. So, I mean, that goes to show that they had the talent. They just didn't pay. 
Yeah, and I, I don't, I've never understood why they've let so many of these guys walk over the years. But, uh, yeah, that's that's one thing that's just never really made sense. That you know they they have they've had that Hall of Fame quarterback, and he's made do with what he's had every year, and made you know subpar wide receivers look like you know decent NFL players. But now you go with more of an average quarterback with, you know, not as intellectually talented as, you know, Brady was and maybe not as good as a, of a thrower as Brady was. And you kind of see what you get with the guys that they have left. Yep, totally agree. So enough about those trash teams, but... <clears throat> Uh, let's go and talk about the number one t- team in the league, the seven and zero Steelers. Joe, um, what are your thoughts on them and their taking on your boys today? I think it's going to be a beatdown. Uh, you know, Cowboys can't move the ball as it is. Can't stop the run. Can't do anything. James Conner is a transcendent talent. They really struck gold on there when Le'Veon left. Big Ben, you know, he's going to do his thing. I look for Chase Claypool to have a big day and Juju, you know, really take advantage of that weak secondary of the Cowboys, much like they have been against other great defenses. I mean, you saw, you know, they put on a show during the uh, Baltimore game. I think the really the Steelers defense is one thing that people continue to downplay and really Mike Tomlin he is an excellent coach. People thought he wasn't going to do anything. People were saying he was on the hot seat a couple years back. Because then, you know, it it happens. You know, you're going to have bad seasons. You're going to have seasons where you have injuries. But the man has never had a losing record in Pittsburgh. I mean, he was was 8-8 last year with Mason Rudolph and Landry Jones. Yeah, he was. They're nobodies, and they were still winning. (laughs) He was dealing with a bunch of nobodies last year because even James Conner was out a lot of last year. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, for what they have now, they've got, you know, Juju, Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and James Conner. And then, you know, yeah, they've got guys and, you know, um, Big Ben comes back from injury looking like he's – found some kind of fountain of youth. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I, I think the weight loss definitely helped him also. Yeah, I mean, especially when you get up there in, in that older age, if you can take some weight off the joints, it really helps, it seems like. But he's, yeah, he's, you know, he's still got it. He's got this year, probably another year or two to go. Um, while they try to find someone to brew up behind them. But for this year, these guys, like you said, especially in a season where the defenses have been terrible for the most part all all across the board, except for a couple of teams, um, their defense is one that can, you know, win you a Super Bowl, especially – if they're able to step up against these uh, Kansas City Chiefs and some of these other, you know, big teams, and they, you know, stood tall to the test last week against the Ravens. So um, they've been battle-tested up to a point. Um, so these guys, it's it's really 
it's really their Super Bowl to lose, especially coming out of the AFC. Um, of course, they have to get through Kansas City, which, you know, especially if it comes down to, a, you know, a last, a final drive, it's going to probably be one of those kind of deals. Whoever has the ball last wins. Oh, yeah, definitely. So it's it'll be interesting. I I think those are definitely the two best teams in the AFC um, on that side. So um, look for them to play each other in the AFC championship and for it to be a good game. Um, going through some more of the uh, standings here, Joe. Um, so, you know, Pittsburgh 7-0, and KC 7-1. Um, I think the KC plays um, the Raiders again, I think, next week. That's their lone loss. So we'll see if they can figure things out against them. Um, and then you've got um, Buffalo at 6-2 and two and Tennessee at 5-2. and two. And then Baltimore in the wild card hunt at 5-2. and two. The Colts are getting better. They're looking pretty good at 5-2. and two. And then... Um, the Browns at five and three, but will they be able to overcome that big loss of Odell Beckham Jr. And they've lost Chubb for a while. And I'm not sure if he's coming back, but um, what are your thoughts on at least the AFC side, Joe? Uh, definitely, uh, I'll, I'll take you through kind of the marquee matchups really for the Steelers. I, I think they deserve a lot of the praise right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cowboys, I think they win that handily, but I would definitely look for next week against the Bengals. I think that could be a trap game for them. I'm going to look past their Jacksonville game and go fast forward all the way to Thanksgiving for the for the primetime game. Okay. 7.30, they're taking on the Baltimore Ravens, so that should be a another good one. And then really, the other match that I see them struggling with is probably the Bills on December 13th. Really, I think those three games are going to make or break this Steelers team. Those are really the next three tests, I feel like, that are going to determine, okay, you know, are the Steelers for real or are they pretenders? Can they get over that hump and beat these, you know, marquee teams? I, I think they beat the Ravens again on Thanksgiving only because Lamar's inability to throw the ball yeah. but for the most part I don't I don't I don't see why they wouldn't excel in the in the home stretch of these last eight games after today yeah I mean like I'll, I agree with what you said on the matchups and um, who to look for for them to give them some trouble of course the Ravens and the bills. And a couple, some of those other ones, you know, with Joe Burrow and Cincinnati, they're, you know, they're really figuring things out and he's really coming into his own. So that's definitely a trap game, but they have a good chance of not losing to any of those guys also. Oh, yeah. I mean, they play the Browns, they play the Colts, they play the Bengals two times. I mean, yeah. they have a chance of at least going 14 and 2. Yeah, that's probably a pretty solid prediction. They'll probably drop at least one or two games. So, um, yeah, definitely, you know, looking looking very good for them moving forward. Um, over on the NFC side, Joe, um, the Seattle Seahawks are atop the 
the league at six and one, and then you've got um, the you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have come in very hot as of late at six and two. Um, you've got Green Bay at six and two. You got your Philadelphia Eagles at four th- or three, four and one. <laughs> And then uh, the wild card is uh, New Orleans at five and two, and then um, Arizona at five and two, and then the Los Angeles Rams at five and three. Um, Joe, your thoughts on the NFC side? Well, I'm gonna. We'll, we'll actually look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the remainder of their schedule. Okay. In in my heart, I feel like they can easily lose these next six games eight eight to seven games i mean tonight they have the saints they can easily lose to the saints the panthers next week they're no pushover the week after that you have the rams the rams are a very talented team it's really you know which jared goff is coming to play and then after that they have a big task ahead of them they play the chiefs and after the chiefs they have the vikings the vikings are no pushover even though their record suggests otherwise yeah. Then they have the Fal- then they have the Falcons after that. The Falcons seem to just beat themselves. True, yeah. And, and then you have the Lions. It really, I mean, the Lions aren't a bad team, kind of like the Falcons. Matt Patricia seems to just outcoach his own self. And then they have the Falcons to end the season. I mean, they can easily win two out of the next seven games, six games. I, so really. I think Tampa Bay is going to have a tougher route to an NFC championship. They definitely have a very tough back-end schedule. Yeah, there's no real gimme games in there. Um, yeah, that'll, that sounds pretty tough on paper. Um, it's going to also kind of depend on injuries for who they're playing and for them too, but um, they've – they're reloading at wide receiver, Joe, with uh, your boy Antonio Brown coming in, I believe, this week. Yeah, he's playing tonight. Um, he's active. Yeah, I thought he was active for tonight. So we'll see how they integrate him into the offense. And then as Chris Godwin gets healthy again, and then they've got Evans out there, um, Scotty Miller, um, they've got um, Gronkowski at tight end. I think OJ Howard's injured for the year, um, but they still have Cameron Brait and Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. So, pretty much anywhere Tom Brady looks, he's got a you know more than adequate target to throw to. So it's it's they're gonna have to. It's gonna really come down to him stepping up in the pocket and making the throws that some of these people, all the naysayers are saying he can't make anymore. And, um, you know, the defense has been one of the better defenses of the, of the league this year. So if they can continue to um, push forward in the route that they've gone, um, like you said, definitely tough matchups ahead, but not matchups that they can't win for sure. Um, probably favored in a number of them but you know definitely some trap games in there i don't know if they have um it all figured out enough to beat a a kansas city yet or even a, a steelers team um they probably have an edge over um 
a Baltimore Ravens team. Um, but tonight will be a huge test for them because they've already lost to them once. So if they can pull off a victory tonight, that's huge for them moving forward just in confidence and um, figuring out how to beat, you know, good teams. No, definitely. And I think the other conference to look at very close is the NFC West with the Cardinals, Rams, 49ers, and Seahawks. I mean, you have the Seahawks getting their butts kicked by Bills Mafia, but I feel like that division, it's a toss-up. There's, it's such a deep division yeah. that one teams, unfortunately, is going to miss the playoffs. It's looking like the 49ers because of the injuries, but, I mean, really, I mean, all these NFC West teams have a tough schedule ahead of them, and really, it can be anybody's anybody's division at this point. I mean, Arizona has a very good chance at upsetting the Seahawks and winning it all. Yeah, I mean, they've already beaten them once on, I believe it was a Monday night game. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think they were down in that game and they were able to come back too. So, um, yeah, that's going to, that's a very tough division. Um, like you said, I, the Niners might be done just because of Garoppolo um, being injured, you know, we'll, I don't know if they're able to really salvage any victories with Mullins at QB, but um, so they might be done, but still with Arizona, Seattle, and then Los Angeles, that's a very tough division. Oh yeah, definitely agree. But yeah, that division is going to be tough for um, any of those teams to get out of. It's not going to be easy. Um, changing gears to the NCAA, Joe, big loss for your Tigers last night to Notre Dame, but I don't think they'll drop too far just because they didn't have your boy Sunshine Trevor Lawrence, um, and it was just a loss to number four, so they'll probably drop out of the top four, maybe even not, but they probably will, um, and let some of these other guys move up. Uh, Bama will probably be number one, Ohio State number two, and then Notre Dame three, and Georgia number four. Um, Joe, what are your what kind of outlook do you have for the college football playoff? I think uh, if anything, Notre Dame and Clemson. I think the committee's going to take into consideration the whole Trevor Lawrence benching because of COVID. And because it was only a number four team, I think they switched spots. I think Clemson goes from one to four. Alabama probably goes up to number one. Ohio State stays at three, and then you have Notre Dame at two. But, you know, for all the listeners out there, I'm going on the record and saying Notre Dame is a very overrated team. (laughs) They will choke like in any other year. Just wait for it. It's like the Cowboys. It will happen. (laughs) I guess we'll see. But – you know, probably with Trevor Lawrence, they probably blow him out. I mean, yeah, I think they beat the break up of them. You know, it's kind of like that whole Dak Prescott thing. You lose your leader, so it's kind of hard to get that focus going into game time. I mean, yeah, and surprisingly, they pushed him to overtime and almost won with their backup. So, oh, yeah, that's a testament to <laughs> Dabo Sweeney, the backup quarterback and the whole team to step up to a point 
where you can almost beat a very good number four team without, you know, your NFL quarterback. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but for me, Joe, uh, I, I really think this is the year of the Ohio State. Um, I'm, I'm a believer in Justin Fields. Joe, I, I think these guys are going to go all the way and um, bring back that ring um, to the Ohio State, Joe. Um, yeah, it'll be it's going to be a tough route for them, especially in the college football playoff. You have to get through Bama and, um, you know, ultimately probably Clemson versus Ohio State, depending on how the numbers go. But, um, Look for Ohio State to win it all this year, Joe. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think Clemson gets it done. I don't think their defense is as strong as it has been in the past years. And I just think right now Ohio State has, you know, they're just a complete team right now, assuming they don't have any setbacks with COVID and injuries. So, I mean, I think Justin Fields is a top, top four pick, top three pick easily. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know, it'll be uh, – Trevor Lawrence has an edge on him just because he's been around. He's started for three years, and he has a championship. He's been to two championships. He'll probably get to a third. He might even win a third. Um, and he's just a revolutionary talent. And then Justin Fields is right there with him. So, yeah, th- these two are definitely the best quarterbacks on the board, and – teams are going to be doing anything they can to get them. Um, you know, continuing on, Joe, uh, six, you know, Cincinnati's at number six, Joe, and then um, Texas A&M, um, little brothers over there at seven still um, after their win this weekend. And then um, number eight, Florida, just trailing behind A&M after they lost to them a few weeks ago. Um over in the Big 12, Joe, it's getting interesting. Um, there's no undefeated teams in the Big 12. Um, number one in the in the conference is, is Iowa State at 5-1, and one, ranked 17th nationally. Um, and then you got Oklahoma State at 4-1, and one, ranked 14th nationally. And then K-State at 4-2 is the third spot in the Big 12. OU's at number four, four and two. And then the 22nd ranked nationally, Texas Longhorns are in there at four and two after that huge victory against the Cowboys um, last week. And then an ugly victory this week against West Virginia. Um, You know, a couple weeks ago, me and you were ready to give up on these guys just because of their piss four performances. Um, what are your thoughts on the horns now, Joe? I think uh, I really think uh, the Longhorns have a good shot at winning the Big Twelve. Uh, really, they just need to take care of business against Iowa State, who only has one loss. They need to hope that Oklahoma State somehow loses to Oklahoma, and they need another Oklahoma and Kansas State loss, and they just need to win out. I, I mean, this is a very up and down horned team. They're def- they're gonna make a bowl game, so I mean, they could easily end up in a decent kind of bowl, maybe like, uh, and I don't know. I'm, you could easily see them in another Alamo Bowl, honestly, with the way things are going with them. 
Yeah, so. I think after <laughs> the way things started out, or at least, you know, early on, um, getting back to another Alamo Bowl or an equivalent kind of bowl would be a, basically a victory for them oh, at definitely. this point. So, yeah, to win the Big 12, they're going to have to win out. Um, oh, you know, Iowa State being the, the big contest for them. Um, and I believe they've got K-State left and um, Kansas. And I think that's it. Um, just those three left. So if they're able to, you know, win all of those games. And yeah, like you said, a couple of teams at the top lose, which, you know, um, in that Bedlam game with um, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, that can go either way. So OU has a chance to beat OSU there for sure. Um, you know, especially with Rattler and all those guys getting better and better. Um, so yeah, that's, that's going to be a huge game in determining, um, what happens in the big 12 for the championship and then the road for the horns going undefeated, um, is basically, you know, they inevitable, they have to do in order to get to the big 12 championship this year. Um, and then, you know, if they make it to the championship game, um, they, you know, have to continue playing well, obviously. And from there, we'll just see what happens. And, you know, it, if they've made it that far, obviously, they, they've earned it and they'll be playing well enough to hopefully win. Uh, no, def- definitely agree with you. But... Uh, yeah, definitely um, interesting out in the Big 12 with um, some losses now um, up at the top. It's wide open for teams like Texas and OU to creep back in. So um, should be fun down the stretch. And then interesting to see how they'll be implementing in um, these Pac-12 schools. And, um, you know, with the Big 10 starting late, um, the scheduling for – all the rest of the way with um, championship games and bowls is probably going to look a lot different this year. But, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting during bowl season uh, to kind of see how the attendance stuff works. Yeah, I mean, I hope by then we're able to go. I don't think we will be. Um, I think they'll like, probably do some limited entry like they have been doing um i guess a decent amount of the schools have been letting in some but yeah like you you know if you're not early on getting tickets to the alamo bowl or whatever bowl you're going to you're probably not going to get in get in but yeah it's i think we're still a ways out from having a vaccine and having a vaccine that's going to be able to be distributed widely to everybody and hopefully be effective. But, um, you know, we, we may be still waiting, um, into the summer for that. Oh, definitely. Um, I, I don't know if, I wonder, I'm wondering also if once a vaccine is made, if it's going to be mandatory for all these athletes to take it, 
not knowing what side effects it can possibly have. Yeah, I mean, long term, I should say. Yeah, hopefully they'll, if they're taking their time to where they're able to really test it out on willing individuals and stuff, that they can figure that all out before they widely distribute it. That's why. Um, people on the science side have been, been trying to not push it and uh, let them take their time on that. But uh, um, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, every day is a mystery still. So um, still a very odd world to live in with um, all that that's still going on. But uh, we do want to thank the listeners for... Uh, listening to the show and uh you know giving us some praise here and there it keeps us going but uh if uh, anyone's interested on um getting on the show let us know and uh we'll tailor some questions to what you want to talk about or uh who your favorite sports teams are and we'd love to have you on but uh for this week's segment uh This is Sam Berg and Joe Martinez signing off.